You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. Hey, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast and give it a thumbs up if it's deserving. It helps me a lot. Anyway, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? This week, meet Bonnie Guyon. To quote Bonnie, she said, There's something magical about riding a bike that helps us forget our misery. So true. Bonnie is a Lemire Syndrome survivor who has mastered how to suffer properly in epic bike events like Leadville 100 and Tour Divide, which she called an amazingly grueling, fantastic time. She's also into adventure racing and is on a team hoping to do Eco Challenge, which is affectionately called the World's Toughest Race. Today, Bonnie shares some adventure stories along with some great wisdom. Enjoy! Well, on the show today, we have Bonnie Guyon. How are you, Bonnie? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. And I have been following you on Instagram for a long time. And, of course, I don't recall how uh, our paths crossed that I decided to follow you on Instagram. But I just love, well, of course, your photos, because you've been to amazing, cool places. You've done amazing events. There's typically a bicycle involved. But also, you have such great positive energy. It's always fun to see your posts. Uh, thank you so much for that. I yeah. really appreciate your kind words. You know, I feel like every opportunity that we have to share our personal story, um, whether it's you know social media or in person, it's an opportunity to really encourage someone. And that's what I try to keep in mind when I'm posting. Yeah, well, it's working because you definitely have got me thinking about doing some epic bike rides when it's appropriate to do so, that's for sure. But <laughs> and for sure, after seeing some of the, you know, like the Tour Divide, which you've done, I wanted to get you on the podcast. So I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. I I was really looking forward to this. I'm glad we could sneak it in today. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe start out by telling the listeners where you live now and like what the cycling culture is like. Well, I currently live in Boulder, Colorado. Hmm. And as you can probably imagine, the cycling community here is absolutely off the chart. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a road cyclist, a mountain biker, uh, the fat biking isn't um, as strong of a community as it might be in, like, say, Michigan or Minnesota. uh, But it's definitely gathering speed and momentum here. Uh, So, yeah, there's just so many fun things to do and places to go to ride your bike, whether it's single track or climbing a mountain or doing some fantastic race. Really, really happy to live here. And I would guess in Boulder, you can bike almost year round. Yes, definitely. And it does take a little bit of cold weather gear Mm -hmm. on occasion, but I think the coldest it's been uh, this year is it's only like 20 degrees, so not that bad, especially compared to like Minnesota where it can get down to negative 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm in Iowa, and so it's fat bike season right now. And it is true. Um, you know, if you have the right gear, you can definitely be out out and about and enjoying your bike ride. But when it gets below zero, the fun factor kind of goes down. <laughs> 
yeah, definitely have to have the right gear for the for the sub zero. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about some of the races and rides that you've participated in. But I came across a post that I wanted to uh, find out a little bit more about that uh, you are a Lemire's syndrome survivor. And I'm just sure that this journey, you know, you are a survivor. The journey was probably life changing in some way. Absolutely. You know, in 2009, uh, it, when I started showing symptoms, and I had never heard of Lemire's disease. And, and in fact, my uh, infectious di- disease team that helped save my life, they had not seen a case uh, in Minnesota in over 200 years, from my mm. understanding. Mm. And what, what happened was, essentially, a bacteria called Fusobacterium necroforum gets into your lungs. And that, that bacteria is not is non-communicable, so you have to get it from like an object. So I had breathed in this bacteria unbeknownst to me, and slowly over time, it creates like an embolism in your lungs mm. that explodes, and then the disease um, spreads throughout your whole body. Well, I had gone to the hospital a number of times, you know, just saying, hey, something's wrong, I don't feel good, I'm coughing up blood, and so on, but I was misdiagnosed for actually several months, um, and usually somebody who encounters that level of degree of bacterial infection passes away oh, wow. but thank god yeah thank god they uh, they finally got me into the hospital and i was put into the icu i was going into toxic shock and um, i was having all sorts of problems the bacteria had actually gotten into my lower back which i don't know of any other case that that's happened to and where it was was outside of the blood vessels So no antibiotic could actually touch it and Mm. kill it. And as a result, it just started eating through my body. So it actually ate through 18 different sections of my intestines, which had to be cut out and removed. Mm. Um, It ate through um, all of my, like, you know, I had to have a full hysterectomy because it was going through my uterus and my ovaries. So that all had to be removed and I had an appendectomy. Um, the damage in my lungs is permanent and there's a ton of scar tissue. Um, but thank God I survived, right? Yes. Wow. That is quite a story. And I'm assuming it has changed your lifestyle and your ability to do things that you could do before, maybe? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so leading leading up to uh, being diagnosed with Lemire's disease, which is actually, Lemire's disease is just one of five different diseases that I was diagnosed with when I was in the ICU. Mm. When my infectious disease doctor asked me, you know, would you like me to tell you what they are, you know, and kind of, because I was still in the hospital, I, I said to him, actually, don't tell me. Because when, if you tell me what the limitations are, yeah. those are the thoughts that are going to be in the back of my mind. Oh, yeah. And if I don't know what my limitations are, I'm just going to keep giving it my all and expecting the best, and that's more of the type of person that I am. So before I was diagnosed, I actually had just finished Ironman Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, and I was, you know, really loving the road riding. I had never <laughs> really mountain biked before, pretty much ever. Um, and I just loved running so much and biking. And swimming was okay. You know, I, I'm a little bit afraid of uh, swimming in deep waters. So that was a little tricky to navigate, but it did make me a really fast swimmer because I wanted to get out of the water as fast <laughs> as I could. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yes, but how it changed me was, you know, 
pre-Lemire's, I was always shooting for that podium, you know, and quite often, just in short distances, I was making it, you know, onto the podium. Mm -hmm. And just really excited, you know, about the future, because I was brand new to triathlon, really brand new to any sort of distance racing whatsoever. I hadn't done anything like that in my life. Well, as you can imagine, after the bacteria affected my lungs so severely, and it actually caused me to have severe uh, uh, exercise-induced asthma. Mm. Uh, now, my efforts, especially in light of having a full hysterectomy, etc., my efforts don't pay off to the degree that they used to. Mm-hmm. And that took a little bit of adjusting to, right? Because my expectation was I would be just as strong and just as fast. Mm-hmm. But over time, I could see, okay, that's not that's not happening and that's not going to happen. Um, I don't take any hormone replacement therapy, so I don't have the testosterone level that even an average female does. I actually have a lot less. So, um, but that was a personal choice just because I try to stay as far away from, you know, introducing um, any sort of drugs into my body that I can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so now it's, you know, it's more of a focus on, you know, what are, the bigger picture rewards. You know, when I go out and do a race, I'm enjoying what I'm doing because I can do it. I'm enjoying the people around me and appreciating much more all the effort that they're putting into it. And, you know, it's just so much different and it's so much better um, because it's a deeper reward, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than just being like, yeah, I made it to the podium. That's so awesome. I'm more like, wow, I got to do this. And I did do this. And look at all the other people and, and what they're doing, you know. So it's more of an outward focus now uh, than it is an inward focus towards other people, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And what a testament to your mental strength to go from, you know, I'm going to win this race to I'm going to enjoy it and be happy that I have the chance to participate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, being being a lot slower when I'm racing, I do get to, you know, I get a lot more of my money's worth because I'm out there a lot longer. (laughs) Can't forget that. (laughs) Well, uh, you mentioned Ironman Wisconsin, and uh, I mentioned Tour Divide at the beginning of this podcast. But can you tell us about maybe a few races or rides that you've participated in? Oh, sure. Yeah. So since Lemire's, I, well, the first thing I did was when I got out of the ICU, the doctor told me, you know, whatever it is you want to do, go and do that because we don't know if you're going to live. They really didn't expect me to live because my uh, case was so severe. So I found out shortly, you know, after I, I, I had thousands of stitches in my abdomen, but when I was finally able to um, say run, I found out I, I couldn't really run anymore. The The damage was just so severe and it, my feet were having problems. I was just having all sorts of medical issues. So um, long story short, I, I this one day I just tried a mountain or to go mountain biking, I should say. I, <laughs> I don't know if you can call it mountain biking. I was, um, I was riding this $75 target bike that I hadn't even, like, I didn't even clean the chain. This thing had been in the rafters, you know, and I took this ridiculous bike out onto a mountain biking trail, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, the hardest thing in the world. Like, I I <laughs> never want to do this again. It was I was so miserable and so embarrassed because, you know, there of course, there was all these guys and gals that were super fast and mm-hmm. fluid, and I was just, like, clunky and clumsy and slow, you know, and I was just constantly hearing rider back, you know, rider back. <laughs> so, so what I did was, you know, that night I thought, you know what? That is so hard and it feels so out of my reach and impossible for me that I'm going to go back tomorrow. 
I'm going to go back by myself with the same bike and nobody else, you know, like with me. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to slow down and, and discover what it is that mountain biking really is. So the next day I did, I went back with that same target clunky bike. I tried to go over this log. I actually got stuck on top like a teeter totter, (laughs) you know, just horrible crashed a number of times but you know it was the beauty of that ride you know the 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 nature that I was immersed in the sounds I could hear I saw a deer I could hear the birds you know I actually heard a woodpecker you know I saw like a like a little like lily pond Mm. and I was just like wow this is where I want to be you know and I kept going back and you know it didn't come naturally mountain biking at all I went for months and I was just as horrible like a year later as I was, you know, that first week of trying. But I decided even if I'm not good at this compared to other people, you know, or what we consider good, I love it so much. I'm just going to keep doing it because it's what makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I can identify, I um, just started mountain biking in 2019. So I am very familiar with those feelings of everyone wanting to pass you and, you know, trying, do I go over the log or do I walk around it or can I like, and just trying and trying and trying again. And I don't know that I've gotten any better as well, but like you said, it's so fun and being out in nature and not worrying about vehicles passing you. It's, it's definitely uh, life changing. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it is tough at first, you know, when you've been a fast racer, you know, and you've been on the podium because you put that expectation on yourself and you're really just judging yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I should be faster. I should be stronger. Like, and you're almost embarrassed. And nobody, nobody even knows that when they're passing you. They don't know, you know. And so you have to just really let that go. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen, for me at least, it didn't happen in one ride. You know, it happened over a few years. It took me just to be like, okay, with being not good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're out there doing your best. And some people might say, oh, she's really good. You know, she's done this race or that race. But, you know, it's, it really comes down to you accepting yourself. Mm. So, so what I did was um, I went on my first mountain bike race was actually the Lutzen 99er. What? So never that was your mountain- first one? That's amazing. <laughs> that is like one of the right. toughest. <laughs> right? Yeah. So like I, you know, always keeping in mind what the, what the surgeon had told me, you know, with the infectious disease doctor, go and do whatever it is you want to do. Mm. So I thought, you know what, I want to do an epic mountain bike race. Yeah. So I started Googling and yeah, the Lutzen 99er came up and it was the closest one to me. And so I <laughs> I also threw my name in the hat for the Lego 100. Oh my um, so my, yes, my first mountain bike race was Lutzen 99er and I did actually finish it. Uh, and then the next month I went to Leadville and I raced the Lego 100. I didn't, I didn't actually finish that race that time because I missed the cutoff on Twi- at Twin Lakes Outbound. Mm. Um, but when I r- was riding back to town, you know, I, I knew right then, you know, it, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to come back and that I was going to finish that, that, that race. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so every year, you know, well, I think I skipped the next year, but a few years after that, I kept coming back until I finally finished it. Wow, those are like epic races, both of them. Congratulations. (laughs) 
thank you. Sometimes going into something not knowing that is a good thing. <laughs> yes, definitely. A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any indoor or outdoor event. Check out more at thirstypigs.com. Now back to the show. I know I've seen on social media some references to the world's toughest race. Do you want to tell us what that is and what it means to you? Are you talking about uh, Eco Challenge? Yeah. Okay, so I haven't done that race yet because they haven't solidified the race for Patagonia yet. But I'll just tell you really quick, uh, Eco Challenge uh, Fiji was on Amazon Prime just a couple of months ago, and it's considered the toughest adventure race mm. in the world. Yes. And basically, you know, what it is is like 300 and some odd, like say 360 miles of, you know, whether it's kayaking, it's definitely orienteering, bushwhacking, running, mountain biking, repelling, you know, it's all types of discipline. Well, in Patagonia, it includes horseback riding, you know, and obviously kayaking through ice waters and things like that. And when I, you know, a long time ago, like, actually, that's one of the races I did too. Uh, when I got out of the ICU, I did an adventure race, a 24-hour adventure race hmm. um, called End Racing. And I had the time of my life. I came in dead last, me and my race partner, but I was like hooked. I'm like, this is one of the funnest, you know, things I've ever done and I knew that I wanted to <laughs> do it again you know do it more in the future and and actually uh, at that time um eco challenge was a thing and so I tried to sign up I got and I got invited to race with a team from a different country but it ended up where I couldn't do the race and then long story short eco challenge kind of disappeared mm -hmm. from the AR scene mm -hmm. well recently when eco challenge Fiji came back you know and was on Amazon Prime I was so enamored with it, I watched the entire series three times in a row, just over wow. and over, because <laughs> I knew, like, you know, I felt that spark, like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do, you know, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. So I started, like, putting feelers out there for a team, like, hey, you know, this is my background, you know, I'm pretty slow, you know, I was just really honest and put that out there, and I ended up getting picked up by a really cool team. Most of uh, the team members are here in Colorado. Uh, one of our team members is in New York. Um, but three of our five have a very long history and successful track record of finishing adventure races. So I was really honored to be chosen to be on the team. So now we're just waiting to see, you know, uh, since Prime, Prime actually dropped the Eco Challenge, for Patagonia. And now we're just waiting to see, okay, is there another mm -hmm. network that's going to pick it up and then wait to see if our team gets chosen. Wow, that's awesome. And I, I didn't watch it three times, but I did the same thing where <laughs> I watched it like from beginning to end, like I marathon watched it. Um, I'm part of a, <laughs> a training crew that Travis Macy is on. And he's the one that first, you know, somebody was bragging like, Oh, Travis, I watched, you know, the Eco Challenge Fiji. And so I'm like, Oh, I got to check this out. And it was like, mm -hmm. I couldn't stop watching, but no desire to do it because it just looks <laughs> so difficult. So like hats off to you for a thinking that it's something you can do. And now you're at the point where you have a team and everything. Yeah, definitely. I was actually just talking to Travis Macy uh, just the other day about um, some coaching ideas uh, that he and I might work together on as far as him potentially coaching me uh, next year. So I'm really excited about that. He seems like a super nice guy in person. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. So if you think about, um, you know, you determining a goal for yourself, you know, a cycling goal, whether it's a race or a ride or just some sort of activity, what helps you stay focused? You know, that's actually something that I've never, um, I've never struggled with. Mm. I don't know if it's like an innate nature or what, but I've never had a problem staying focused. I'm always always very excited about whatever race that I've chosen, whether it's, you know, in two weeks or it's in two years. And it just, I just get drawn into that. And it's so much about gratitude. Like I'm so excited and thankful for the opportunity, even to train for something that's epic, you know, like say the tour divide or eco challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's all, that's all I need. You just give me a bike, tell me, you know, tell me, okay, if it's in this many days or this many months, I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, can we talk about Tour Divide? Absolutely. It's yeah. one of my favorite subjects. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, actually, why don't you start out by telling listeners what it is and then maybe give us some highlights of what your race was like? Sure. So the the Tour Divide is a, a 2,745 mile off road bike packing race, and we start in Banff, Canada, and we go onto the Spray Lakes Trail and through the national forests. And when we enter the U.S., we're basically going up and over the Rocky Mountains mm-hmm. 32 times, and the finish line is is in Antelope Wells, New Mexico, right at the Mexico border. And I have seen so, so what, many photographs of people doing this. I, I can't recall if I've seen yours, but like to see that photo of people in front of the big gate at the Mexico border is just like, you know, I just, I can feel how they're feeling. <laughs> yeah, they're starving and they're <laughs> in pain. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just in case anyone doesn't, you know, really understand or know or are familiar with backpacking, basically what that means is that we are going to carry all of our own gear. So I have my sleeping bag, I have my tent, I have the tools that I might need to fix my bike, whether that, you know, I, I get a flat or I have a broken derailleur or, you know, et cetera, right? And then I also have any clothing that I might want, uh, which for me, I'm, I'm wearing everything that I'm going to finish, you know, start and finish that race in, mm. um, with the exception, I, I also have like a puffy jacket, uh, a rain and a rain jacket, and, you know, so I'm not going to necessarily wear those in, in New Mexico where mm-hmm. it's like 112. Um, but, um, this race is self-supported. So no one can help you. Uh, you can't like have your friends meet you at, you know, X, Y, Z and like give you food or give you a pet talk. You know, you, it's just, totally like a, it's basically an individual time trial for everyone, even those who start together at what's, you know, referred to as the Grand Depart in Banff on the second Friday of June each each year. Um, but yeah, self-supported, up and over the Rocky Mountains 32 times, off-road primarily, mm-hmm. and just race as fast as you can. It's one stage. Wow. And so you start in Canada and go all the way down to the bottom of the United States at the Mexico border. What's the average time it takes to do that? Well, it depends on how fast you are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, um, Mike Hall, uh, he unfortunately passed away, but he holds the current record and he's like 13 days in a, you know, some change. So it's just amazing wow. uh, what he was able to accomplish. Yeah. Um, people like me, you know, I'm more mid backpack. 
uh, in 2016, I did finish the Tour Divide. Uh, I wasn't the Red Lanterns. I wasn't quite last, but I was close. You know, that mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost hoped I was, you know, just like I kind of consider myself um, a course sweeper. You know, the last person who's sure. just kind of like making sure everybody's <laughs> everybody's OK. But, um, but yeah, I finished it. And I think it was like, I'm not 100 percent sure, to be honest, but I think it was 35 days or 34 days and some change. Um, in 2017, I came back to race it again, hoping, you know, to cut a little bit of time uh, off of my, my race finish because I'd, I'd learned a lot, right? I had learned, mm. um, I'd learned better how to suffer properly. Mm. So unfortunately, when I was in Canada, I was pushing my bike up this one pretty gnarly section called, we, well, we refer to it as Coco Claims. And basically what it is, is like a riverbed. And it just kind of goes straight up into the sky. And you're just pushing your bike over like these baby, like, you know, doll heads as they're referred to. Um, this these rocks that are just huge, mm. you know. And in, six, in, uh, in 17, I mean, it was just like a waterfall coming down. So you're just constantly wet, you know. It just took hours to get over this five-mile climb. Um, well, I, I ended up breaking, you know, fracturing my hand and not really knowing that. And mm. then I had some massive brake issues. So, you know... Oh, by the time I got to Butte, Montana, uh, I went to a specialist while still racing and said, hey, my hand is killing me. You know, can you inject it and just numb it up? And he, and he was like, your hand is fractured. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to just inject it, you know. Um, and I would have to, you would have to keep doing that throughout the race. He's like, really, you need to go home and take care of this. So mm-hmm. I reluctantly withdrew from the race. You know, I went home and I was all the more excited to come back. Well, I raced it in 2019. And I did finish it in 27 days. So I was able to cut an entire week off my finish. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just had like a amazingly grueling, fantastic time. That's probably the best way to describe it. You know, it's never like, oh, yeah, it was so much fun. You know, <laughs> you know, you just, so great. You just ride your bike. No, you're suffering out there. I don't care how strong or how fast you are. You are suffering. You know, so you have to really make friends with suffering, as they say, and learn to embrace that suffering and, and mentally uh, become okay with it. And one of the, one of my most effective techniques that I use to be okay with pain is that when I'm suffering, I literally picture like a box in my mind. And I, I honestly picture myself putting the pain into that box and mm. closing the lid. And this box is in a, just a vast open room. And so I slowly watch that box disappear. I just push it slowly to the peripheral until it's no longer my focus and then it just it's gone and now I'm not focusing on that anymore and I I don't know if that sounds strange but that's the technique that I use. No it sounds amazing and I need to try it as soon as I am in a position to be suffering on my bike. Right on. (laughs) Wow and like 27 days um, it's hard for me to understand you know when I think of a race I would think of a you know, eight hours or four hours, or, you know, if you think about a, even a sprint triathlon's like an hour and a half. Um, so to be in that race mode for 27 days, you know, and you just mentioned the whole um, kind of handling the suffering part of it, but what's a typical day like? You, you know, are you waking up on the side of the road in your like sleeping bag and you're just like, okay, today I'm going to ride my bike as hard as I can and do it again and again and again? 
something like that, actually. You know, a typical day would be, you know, you wake up. For me, I wake up uh, at 4.20, and I don't even need to set an alarm clock. For some reason, when I do the Tour Divide, I always wake up at 4.20, which is really a blessing, right? Because then I'm not, like, trying to hit snooze uh, or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so I wake up, and then what I do is I immediately sit up and I start to eat mm. uh, because, you know, now I've got calories and a little bit of energy going. And when I'm about halfway through, and this is all in the dark, you know, I might have, like, a headlamp on, you know, or whatever. But what I do is I pull the plug on my pad and let my pad inf- def- def- deflate because mm-hmm. I hate sitting on a hard ground, and especially a cold, hard ground. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> That's the best way to get me out of the tent. So I kind of like, I purposely do that, and then I get uh, get up and I get out of my tent, take a look around, make sure, you know, my, my bike and my stuff's still there, like some bear hasn't like, you know, eaten all my food and just <laughs> rode my bike away. <laughs> and then I start packing as fast as I can. Um, Aside from eating, it usually takes me about 15 minutes to pack up, and I'm on the bike as quickly as I can. Wow. And one of, the, one of the good things about doing that is you don't have time to think about how miserable you are. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, like, last, uh, in 2019 when I finished, I had actually only stayed in a motel four times in that 27 days. Mm. Uh, and I only washed my clothes three times. So when I wake up and put on my stinky, cold, right. often damp clothes, right? And you're like, that's it's so disgusting, <laughs> to be quite honest. This is gross. So I'm like, okay. You know, so I get on the bike and, and then I like try to forget about all that. Forget about, you know, how rickety I feel, how sore I am, you know, how starving I am. I'm like constantly stuffing my face, how, you know, just all of that stuff. And it goes away. You know, there's something magical about riding a bike that helps us forget our miseries, mm-hmm. right? And and even on the Tour Divide, for me, um, that's true every single day. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. People often quit the Tour Divide, right? The attrition rate is really high. So less people finish, like say 40% finish out of the 100% that start the race. Um, But, you know, for me... I just never think about quitting. It's never, I, I never struggle with it out there. I ever, like it never comes to my mind like, oh, I just want to quit. I, I've never felt that way, which I, I really appreciate and feel blessed to have that mental fortitude. So I just keep going. No, you know, how awful you feel that morning or how exhausted you feel because, you know, you just went to bed at three o'clock in the morning and now it's 420 and mm. you're getting up again, mm-hmm. you know? I'm amazed at your, uh, the strength that you have mentally is just amazing. Yeah, thank you. There's somebody out there thinking about doing one of these epic events that you have done or thinking about doing. Any advice you'd give them? Yeah, you know, and that's such a good question. Um, it's In a way, it's a really hard question to answer sure. because everyone is so different, right? Mm, right? They have different motivations, different causations, different types of mental uh, attitudes. And, you know, a lot of like, racing like the tour divide so much of it's mental so you know a lot of people don't know if they have the mental capacity to suffer Mm -hmm. to that degree so of course the best thing to do is to you know just do like a trial run you know whether it's you know how i well 
probably shouldn't take advice from me because (laughs) I didn't even know about the race until seven months before six or seven months before it. And I did, I'd never bike packed, never heard of bike packing, you know, and I think I did two or one overnighter. And one of the, I think it was, well, one of them was in my backyard. I just slept in a tent in my backyard, you know, it's horrible preparation. And I just did the race, you know, but that's kind of like the type of personality I have. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see something, I'm like, yep, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know, wow. so I go after it. But, um, but yeah, so, but my advice, you know, contrary to my own, you know, uh, actions would be try to get some practice in, you know, mm-hmm. maybe try a, a shorter race, you know, like, you know, how there's the elite to 99er, but then there's like the 39er, you know, just kind of build up to it. And, and, you know, whatever you do, don't compare yourself, not only to anyone else, but also don't compare yourself to yourself because that's where you figure out that's where you find that you're limiting yourself, right? So, oh, I've only done a 10K. There's no way I could run a marathon. Oh, I've only, you know, raced my bike 50 miles. There's no way I could do the Tour Divide. Don't compare yourself mm. to your past because your future can look completely different. So give yourself that opportunity to write a new story. Mm, so true. Gosh, that is really, really good advice. Do you have any adventures on your horizon? Well, definitely eco challenge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fingers crossed for that. Um, if it if for, if for some terrible reason, you know, the eco challenge didn't take place, I do hope to do a different race with my team. Uh, like I said, I love adventure racing. It's just like, oh, it's just so much fun. You know, just the diversity of it. You know, um, of course, I'd, I'd, I'm hoping to do the Tour Divide again. I'd like to have a third finish, um, even if you know, even if I don't finish faster or whatever. Just you know just finishing is always um, just a privilege out there. Mm-hmm. So, and then, uh, yeah, eventually if, you know, if I can, I would actually like to start running again. Mm. Um, I, you know, I just love running just that freedom of the, you know, the feeling you get of freedom when you're moving your whole body. I love it so much. So there's lots of things, you know, living in Colorado, I mean, there's no shortage, right? I mean, there's trails everywhere for biking and mm-hmm. hiking. I love hiking 14ers, you know, that's so beautiful. So yeah, lots of good things in the future. And the view that you get every day in Boulder, it's just uh, <laughs> mind blowing when I see photos. <laughs> I know, right? Like I, well, I'll say I'll go to like Denver and I'll be driving home to Boulder and I'm like, oh my gosh, to this day, I'm like, look at that. I live here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. You know, last thing, is there anybody that you want to give a shout out to or any groups or organizations? Yes. So I actually am on the Envy racing team and I just want to say, you know, man, their rims are bulletproof. Uh, The the rims that I have... (laughs) The rims that I have that I finished the 2019 Tour Divide on, um, I also, the same rims that I raced in 17, I've been riding these rims for years, and they are still flawless. So I just really appreciate Envy, and I'm so honored to be a part of their team. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for being on the podcast and telling us about some of your adventures. It's like really, really inspirational. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to meet you and to share. Thank you so much. You bet. That's it for this week. Thanks, Bonnie, for coming on the show to share your survivor story as well as some of your bike adventures. I know I look forward to seeing what races you do next, and I know I'll be cheering you on. Go to loves underscore two underscore mountain bike. That's L-O-V-E-S underscore T-O 
underscore M-T-N-B-I-K-E to follow Bonnie on Instagram and see the photos of where she's gone on her bike. Now, if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. Please visit my Instagram page for daily entertainment and check out the Morphology YouTube page to find videos of some of the places I go. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from today's guest, Bonnie Guyon. Don't compare yourself to yourself. Give yourself the opportunity to write a new story. Think about it. 